Times of refreshing is what I'm hearing. Just be ready for it because it's coming more and more. As we prepare our hearts and position our hearts to worship Him, more and more of these times of refreshing are going to come. His presence will increase till we won't even know how to stand in our own flesh. <laughs> Jesus. But He's saying, prepare your hearts now so that your vessel can handle it. Tonight we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about holiness and actually this is the title of this is called pursuing holiness so i'm going to start with a few questions um one how important is holiness in the life of a believer two do you personally consider holiness to be valuable and three do you have a holy walk so mostly when i hear about preachers talking about holiness it's usually in the past tense of, I came out of the holiness movement. I usually don't hear a lot of talk. Not that it hasn't been, I'm sure it has been, and I know it's been preached here because Pastor Jim is line upon line, you know, amazing. But usually when people talk about holiness, they talk about, oh yeah, I came out of that legalism. But unfortunately, when that happened, people threw out the baby with the bathwater. Not everyone, but a lot of people did. And they're like, well, good. I have no, no laws now governing me, which we know is not true. We have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus governing us. It's just written on our hearts now. It's not an external law, but it's an internal law. But holiness is super valid. And that's what I just sense the Lord wanted us to talk about tonight. So we're going to talk about that. Hebrews 12, 14. Don't go there. We'll go. Actually, you can go to Leviticus 11. While you're going there, Hebrews 12, 14 tells us to pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So holiness is so important that without it we won't see God. Let me say that again. Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So we can't throw out holiness, we can't throw a baby with the bathwater, because it means that we won't see God. And why is that? I'm going to answer, it's a rhetorical question, I'm just going to answer it right away. We were made to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We were created in righteousness and true holiness. So if we are not holy, it means we're not born again. So that's the bottom line. We see God because we're born again, and he's created us and made us holy, right? That's Ephesians 4.24. I mean, we, we know these verses. Some verses I'm just going to talk about tonight. We're not going to go there because we know them. Um, so we are created in righteousness and true holiness. The miracle of the new birth includes being made holy, which means even if we don't feel holy, we're still holy. Sometimes that's the hardest part. Your mind and your emotions are saying, I know what you did last night. Your spirit's like, but I'm holy, I'm holy. God created me holy. But it also should mean that holiness is important to us. And um, you guys know what it means when you throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? When you throw out the good with the bad. 
There's a good part of holiness that you should be, we should all be holding on to. The rest of Hebrews chapter 12, actually, if you study it out, I love the book of Hebrews, um, but it's talking about our new relationship now with our new father and his new kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom. It talks about living like the firstborn, Jesus, the author, author and finisher of our faith. It talks about how now we can come onto that mountain of God without fear. Like in the Old Testament, they came to the mountain of God and they were like trembling and they ran away. Now he says it doesn't matter. God is a consuming fire, but we can boldly come to him because we've been made in righteousness and true holiness. So that whole context is talking about um, all of these things. How do we live above sin? How do we live like the firstborn? How do we approach God? What's interesting, what's amazing, um, and he was 12 there, it says that God is the father of spirits. He's not everyone's father. He's father of those who are born again. When you're born again, now you're his offspring. Now I'm his offspring. The definition of holiness is being set apart and sanctified unto God. So again, have I said anything you haven't heard before? Probably not. But I believe this is important for tonight. Because holiness is not just a state that, you're, that you've been made, but it's a life of action that looks like the firstborn. So we should be going, spending time away with Jesus, you know, or the Father, that's what Jesus did. We should know the Word. He was the Word made flesh, but he also studied the Word. He spent time with God to know the Word. We uh, don't walk in sin. Well, we still have compassion on the sinner. Good example of that is when Jesus, they brought him the prostitute who was caught in the very act, and they wanted to stone her. And he crouched down and rode on the sand, and then he stood up and he said, okay, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then one from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and walked away. And then Jesus said, woman, where are the accusers? She said, Lord, they're gone. He goes, well, neither do I condemn you, but then what? Go away and sin no more. Jesus doesn't wink at sin. I don't know why a lot of the body of Christ has started winking at sin. He doesn't do that. He has compassion on the sinner, but hates the sin. And that's how we have to be. That's part of walking in holiness, knowing how to love people regardless, like, and hate the sin. To love people, but hate the sin. It also means that we're not caught up in the world, but the world is caught up in us. Think about that. We're not caught up in the world, but the world is caught up in us. What do I mean? If we're supposed to be like Jesus, everywhere he went, who was there? Multitudes of people were caught up in him and his ministry because he offered them life that they'd never known before. You know, instead, it's reversed right now in the church, a lot of the church, church is all cut up in the world. The world can't see a difference. The multitudes don't flock to us because we've walked away from the holiness of the firstborn. Being holy means we're different from the world, not the same as the world, but that doesn't feel nice because it feels like you're an outcast when you're trying to live a holy life and you're around a bunch of people, Christians even, but the world or anything like that, that you feel so different, sometimes it can feel hard. Doesn't matter what we feel though. We're supposed to be holy. You're at Leviticus 11. We know this verse. It's in 1 Peter as well. We're gonna go there in a second. But Leviticus 11, 44 says, For I am the Lord your God, Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, 
and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defy yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And then Peter quotes this in 1 Peter. So let's flip over there, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, verses, we're going to start at verse 13. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So when God asked the Old Testament children of Israel to be holy, when he said, Be ye holy, for I am holy, they actually did not have what, what, what they needed in them, that new nature. They still had a sin nature, so they were not able to be holy. Everything that they did was an external thing. But now when Peter's quoting it, when Peter's saying it, we know that through the new man, we actually have the ability to walk in this holiness because God created us in holiness. Why would God create us in holiness? Why do you think he'd do that? Like, why does he include holiness in the new birth when he says, I've made you righteous, I've made you holy, you know, I've made you more than conquerors, all these things, right? It's because he's holy. God is not going to have offspring if he's holy and he's not, he's not going to create evil offspring. Why would he do that? He's not going to create evil and unholy offspring. It's not who he is, so that's not who we are. We are created in his image. And not only that, but he's given us things to help us uh, walk this holy walk. So the new man and his laws, which are now written on our heart, Pastor Jim talked about so much of this this morning. It's so good. He's given us the word of God. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to reveal the word, to reveal the things that we need to know. So when we still struggle much with sin, I'm not saying a sin. Everyone messes up from time to time. But when we struggle much with sin, it's actually a sign that we're not doing these things to help us. We're not using these tools that God's given us. We're ignoring the new man. We're not in his word. And we're not spending time with the Holy Ghost. That's just how it is. And that's why sometimes we can talk to people and just by the fruit in their life, we know, by what's coming out of their mouth, we know where they're at. We know what tools they're using or not using. Interestingly enough, Pastor Jim said this morning, Satan can't read your mind, and that's absolutely 100% true, but he can hear you talk. You want to know how he finds out stuff? Your mouth. When you're, are you agreeing with God's word? Am I agreeing with God's word? Or am I agreeing with the circumstance? And then he hears you and he's like, oh, that's where they're at. Okay, now I know where to attack. So it feels like he's reading your mind because you've been talking too much negative. <laughs> but he's not reading your mind. He's just listening. <laughs> he's just been around a long time. And he starts, he's using his ears. Everything we need is found in Christ. Do you remember over there, just we were talking, we read that, are you guys still at Leviticus or no? It's fine, it's fine. He says, be, be holy for I am holy. But he says, for I am the God that has brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
I was just pondering this recently, and I'm like, you know, we're reading through the Old Testament if you're doing the homework. And I'm like, I love all that. The history books, I just like devour it. Like, it's just, I love it. And so, um, how many times did God do amazing things for them? Like miraculous things, like over and over. And we look at it because we're reading it and it's like not like present moment day. Because I think we do a lot of the same things sometimes. Well, you know, somebody can look at us and say, well, why didn't you just, whatever, God spoke to you here. But meanwhile, you know, you're in the moment. But God did all these amazing things for them. And yet for hundreds of years, he always addressed them and says, for I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he say, I'm the God that had you march around Jericho and the walls came down? I'm the God that killed, you know, 185,000 Amalekites in the middle of the night. You didn't have to lift a finger. Why, why would he not say those things? Like, those are more present, more recent to be like, look, I'm your God. I'm with you. I'm helping you. You know, be faithful to me. I'm telling you things. Why did he always go back to Egypt? What about the manna? Every morning you wake up for 40 years and there's a supernatural food physically that you can eat and cook and whatever. Why was it always the Lord who brought you out of Egypt? It's because coming out of Egypt was a type and shadow of the new birth. When we get born again, everything we need is in that new birth. Each situation points back to that first event and lets us know that the new birth is enough. He took us out of Egypt, spiritual sin and death, and brought us into his promised land, his kingdom, his family made us spiritually in his image, made us holy, and that is more than enough to help us walk in holiness, to help us walk out of sin, to have wisdom for situations, to know what to do, to know how to raise our kids, to know what job to have. It's more than enough. He doesn't need to tell you all the other things that he did in your life. He just has to bring you back to the new, new birth and say, that's it. Everything, everything we need is found in that. Every battle is won by that foundation. And so that's partly why if you go to a church where the pastor doesn't know, that you are born again and like doesn't understand the born again life and still thinks you're a sinner saved by grace, I think that's probably the biggest atrocity and the biggest thing you need to leave that church for because every single other thing is foundational upon that truth. So if, some, if, you're, if, he, if your pastor or your minister is teaching that you are still a sinner, that every single thing you get is going to be poison. There might be bits of, of, of good, but it's not going to be right. It's really, really, really important. I don't think people understand. I've only been really on, maybe you guys are way ahead of me in here, so. But in the last couple of years, I've been so understanding how important just every nugget of truth and everything that God says, how, just how important it is. I think sometimes we just go, well, yeah, that's God's word, and we've grown up with Bibles, and like the, from the youngest age, I've had a Bible, you know? And it almost becomes like, like second place, like you're complacent with it. God's doctrine, his truth, is so, so, so very important. Don't go to places where they teach you things that aren't right. Just don't do it. But I like that place. Too bad. That is not a good reason. You know, in the end, and I've said this for years, I remember when I was, oh, when Elaine and I were youth pastoring, um, I would always tell the, the kids, love the word, and I'd be like, hug the word, and you guys know this, I told them, hug it, love it, you want it, because you, you got to know the word and love the word so much because in the end, people walk away from God because they didn't love the truth. It's not because they didn't worship or dance or, or like pray. It's because they didn't love the truth. That's why they walk away. 
And in the end times, it says there's a great apostasy coming, a great falling away. If you don't make the word number one priority in your life, it's going to be too easy. And deception is like that where we don't know it. How do you know the fake from the real? You study the real. That's what they do with currency. People who study currency who know the fake stuff, they don't study all the fake stuff. They study the real. That way when there's a new fake one, they can identify that it's not the real. If you only study 10 fake ones, once the 11th comes, you can be deceived. You gotta know the word of God. We have to know the word of God. We must love it and make it a part of us. And even when it's boring, still read it and meditate on it anyways. Because you gotta know that your spirit man is getting something out of it. Amen? Let's not be deceived. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So we were made holy. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we're holy. And we know that's because we're warring with our flesh. We know that. If you're here, you've been around this message long enough, you know that your flesh doesn't want to do anything God's way. You know that. God is always encouraging us to walk in holiness and walk separate for him. This is a good example here, 2 Corinthians 6. Let's start at verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Right there, that's, that's the definition of holiness. Saith the Lord. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty. Why? Because if he has created you in righteousness and true holiness, you are holy when you are born again. That's why he wants you to be separate. That's why he can be a father to you. Again, seven. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Do you notice what that says though right there on 7.1? It says, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, didn't I just say that God created us in holiness? So how can we be still working toward holiness if we're already made holy? It's because this perfecting is the training process you enter into with your flesh until your actions line up to who you've been created to be in the spirit. That's all that is. So there's a perfecting, which is a training of your mind and your emotions and your actions to line up to the holiness of your spirit. In this passage, God also gives us instruction to come out from among them and be clean. That means that while we are being perfected in holiness, we make choices that line up to the holy person that we have been made. We don't keep just giving in to our flesh because, oh, well, I feel like it. My spirit's holy, but whatever my flesh wants to do, whatever it wants to. No, we say no to our flesh, don't we? We say no to those things that are not perfected in holiness. It's like that process that's happening in our mind and our emotions as we're renewing it, we can't just give in to the flesh. God still encourages us, no, make the right choice. Come out from among them and be clean. This means that we're not to walk in fellowship with darkness. A problem in the church today, there's, there's lots. 
unfortunately, you know, when we talk about problems in the church, for me anyways, I'll, I'll just speak for me, I'm so saddened by it. I, I'm not, I don't want people condemned. I want them walking out of this, the lukewarmness that is just so rampant, you know. But if you have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to perceive or discern anything, you can see when you talk and you hear when you talk to Christians how their lives are so full of compromise, so many. And it's so sad, like it breaks my heart. And you can imagine how much it breaks God's. Because that's not what he wants. So there are problems, and it's not to bring up the problem just to say, to elevate and light up the problem, but to maybe address a problem, bring light so that things can change. One of the problems in the church is that the body of Christ no longer knows what darkness is, apparently. Because I, so many, I hear people talk, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a child of light. You, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be. Or if maybe they once knew, they're kind of lukewarm in that area. Or maybe they don't personally do it, but they don't mind it. They tolerate it. They engage in it when other people do it. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 18. And then we're just going to jump a little bit because we're not going to read the whole chapter for the sake of time. <clears throat> so Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And Pastor Jim said this one time, and I wrote it down, and it's really good. They hold ownership of the truth, but they walk in unrighteousness. These are people who think they're saved, think they're walking in truth, you know, think they're fine, but they actually walk in unrighteousness. Now jump down to verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. This is an unsound mind, a mind in conflict with the way that God thinks. Again, if you can define how Christians talk, I'm like, you know, like, listen, sometimes I might read something and I'm like, God, I'm struggling in this area. But your word doesn't change, it's still truth. What has begun to happen in the body of Christ is they say, I don't care about that truth. I'll just pick another truth. That's not how it works. To be submitted to the Lord and his holiness means his word is truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. When you begin to think so contrary to the word of God, anything is possible as far as sin. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, which is really improper and repulsive. So in convenient is not really a great word because convenient and repulsive seem like two opposite spectrums. It's repulsive to God, these things. These things we're about to read. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without under like this list is long and god is saying this is what happens when you start thinking against god's ways without understanding covenant breakers without natural affection implacable unmerciful who knowing the judgment of god that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them 
So you might say, well, I don't, you know, I don't do those things. But do you watch it on TV? Do you have pleasure in those that do them? It's, listen, God, is, God wants us to come to a place where we are totally okay with not finding out the end of a movie because it's bad. Because something happens that you don't want to be watching anymore. I'm going to read to you what the Amplified Version says, that last verse, 32. Although they know God's righteous decree and his judgment, that those who do such things deserve death, yet they not only do them, but they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate others who practice them. God, this is talking about the reprobate mind, someone who knew Christ and who stopped really understanding, pressing into God and, and believing and agreeing with his mind on things. That's what happens. It's rampant in the body of Christ. If you are watching all this stuff on TV, reading books about it, always around people that are operating in this, you're approving of it. He's saying it's not just those who do it, but you have pleasure in them that do them, meaning there's an enthusiastic entertainment and tolerance for it. So this part might be a little bit hard. I don't know if you feel like this is hard so far. I think it's all stuff we know so far. But I feel like this is an area that God wanted me to strongly warn against in this body. And that's the area of idolatry and witchcraft. There's so many things that we should not be entering into. Um, and I'm, I'm going to name some things because this is how I felt the Lord was leading me. Harry Potter should not be a part of your life, period. No books, no movies. If you've done that, read it, watched it, you need to repent of it, get it out of your house and never do it again. Parents, same thing with your kids. Doctor Strange from the Marvel series is a witch. He's a warlock. I, don't, I, I won't watch him because I already know this, but I read some stuff up on him. If you've watched it or read about it, repent of it, get it out of your house, and don't do it again. It's really serious, okay? This is so serious. I think there's games that go too far for gamers. And I don't know all that stuff because honestly, I grew up in a home where every single thing like that was really, really discouraged. You know, and there are some things where I've had to go, okay, is this just make-believe and fun and you can enter in? Because there is that too. There's make-believe. There's imagination things that are fine in books. But you are not to be watching or engaging in these type of things. I don't care if you grew up watching it. I'm sorry. That's not good enough. It's not good enough for me, my kids, my country, my family, this country, you guys, anyone I love. It's not good. If Jesus is my Lord, I will not subject myself to that stuff. All of it. A lot of people argue that since it's all make-believe, it's okay. That's completely wrong. With that logic, you can watch sex scenes and porn. Think about it. I read this article one time. Actors were confessing that it was fake, it was uncomfortable, that they just felt awful in these scenes, that it wasn't romantic in any way. 
uh, really they're explaining that they're feeling defiled, but they're not using that language. But it's fake. Like they, They're making you believe that it's all romantic and nice, but it's not. It's completely fake. So because it's fake, we can watch it. They are not enjoying themselves. That's that logic when you say, oh, I can handle it. No, God says don't do it. God says don't do it. We're not to watch sex scenes because even though it's fake, we'll not put that before our eyes because we know it'll defile us. God calls it wicked, so we walk away. So we say, well, you know, witchcraft is fake. It will still defile you, and I'm going to prove it. Leviticus 19, 31. If you still watch stuff like this after tonight, well, that's between you and the Lord, of course. But now you'll know. You'll have no excuse. Leviticus 19, 31 says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be, filed by, to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Let's read that again. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now I'm going to read you what that says in Amplified. Very interesting. Do not turn to mediums who pre pretend to consult the dead or to spiritists who have spirits of divination. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Did you notice that there are two things he says here? One is pretending and one is actually has spirits of divination. Do you see that? In the Amplified Bible, you guys should look this up later. Do not turn to mediums who pretend to consult the dead, so there's pretend world, or to spirits who have spirits of divination. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. To God, it doesn't matter whether it's pretend or real, nor should you take pleasure in the pretend or real, as in watching it for your entertainment or seeking it out. And the reason why, okay, is because God loves you. Because he says you're going to be defiled by it. You know what that word means? Sullied, polluted, poisoned, marred, or spoiled. Does it say that you're going to like lose your salvation? No, although I do believe you constantly go after this kind of thing. You could, because I think you'd see your conscience enough, conscience enough. But why would you want to be sullied, polluted, poisoned, marred, or spoiled? Why? Come out from among them and be clean. It's part of your holiness. God would not be entertained by evil spirits, neither should we, because he's not evil and that's why he's made us holy. Like, to me, this is like, um, um, like when Paul was on Mars Hill, you know, and he saw all those other gods that they served, and then he saw a monument to the unknown God, and he said, I'm going to talk to you about that God. And no, not one time did he say, it's okay to keep serving all these other gods. In fact, every single thing we read in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, where we see the apostles ministering, it was always they had to leave all that stuff behind. So whether it's fake or it's real, you've got to leave it behind. And there's examples I'm going to give you in the New Testament. Turn over to Acts chapter 8, please. Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 9. There was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. 
to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Simon the sorcerer, the Bible says that Simon bewitched the people with sorcery. It means that he amazed them and entertained them like parlor tricks. This was about the show of it and to convince people that he was someone of power. He liked that. But we know that he knew it was not real. How do we know that? Because later when the Holy Spirit fell, he offered to buy the Holy Ghost. Do you remember that? This was fake. This was a fake sorcery thing. He knew it wasn't real. He just liked the power. He liked the name of it. But now let's go over to Mark 5. I'm going to show you a real demonic encounter. We're going to start at verse 1. This is where Jesus and the disciples, Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the sea. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with feathers and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. This man had, had demons. This is the real demonic we're talking about. Okay? I'm not sure if he committed you know, witchcraft and was doing all that at the beginning, and that's why this happened to him, I don't know. But we do know that this is real. This is the real demonic. This is the real negative you know, spirit world that we're seeing. And when, Jesus saw, saw, and when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he, Jesus said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And we know that there was legions, um, at least 2,000 demons that were in him. Now, this man was tormented by evil spirits. Can you imagine being so tormented by evil spirits that you're sitting there cutting yourself and weeping and crying? You're tormented. And then can you imagine going over there, sitting there and watching this poor man like he's some sort of entertainment? Because you like the scene? Because you like that he's freaking out and he's doing superhuman things? as though anything concerning the demonic realm is to be enjoyed? What about if after Simon got born again, he started with his back with his bewitching? It's fake, remember? It's fake. You think that would still be allowed? Of course it wouldn't. It wouldn't be allowed. Neither would the apostles. Can you imagine them all sitting there being like, oh, show us your trick, Simon. No. Come out from among them and be clean. This doesn't go. This, this stuff does not go with holiness. It really doesn't. The difference between the holiness movement and what I'm talking about today is the holiness movement says you have to do this alone without the Holy Spirit and you can't come to God and he can't help you until you're holy. That's not what this is about. This is about this isn't who you are anymore. Wrong side, wrong team, wrong kingdom. 
Get away from that stuff and come over. Get rid of that stuff. You're not part of that kingdom anymore. You're part of the kingdom of holiness. You were bought with a price and you are part of the family of God, which is a family of holiness. God told us not to engage in, regard, seek, or enjoy any form of witchcraft, whether it's fake or real. That's what we just read over in Leviticus. The only time we're to be around the demonic is when we're taking authority over it and delivering someone through the love of God. <laughs> Come out in Jesus' name. Nor do I think that you should be afraid of the demonic. God has given us authority over the demonic. Most people don't even believe that because they're so desensitized by the things they watch and allow in their lives, stuff they've grown up with. There's many times where movies that I've gone back to in life, I won't watch again. Now, I mean, I, this was not my area. I never watched this nonsense. I saw the real growing up. I didn't need the fake. But, you know, it just, there's other things. Just because it has nostalgia doesn't mean it's a check mark in your life. Nostalgia isn't good enough. In this church, another warning, okay? There are many who are too beguiled by the imaginary world of fantasy. I'm not saying everybody, but there are people. That's what the Lord spoke to my spirit. There are things you're watching or reading that are just too far for you. And it's become a, a snare and a trap to you. And God is trying to rescue you tonight. He wants you out of it. It's going to take you down. It's going to hinder your walk. And it's going to hinder revival in your life. We're talking about revival a lot. This kind of stuff will, will take you out. It will hinder it in your life. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell about it. I'm saying God, God says you need to seek him on that. There's too many people that are in this imaginary world of fantasy. And I think it, it's not just TV and movies. It's, it's your cell phone. It's different media devices. It's gaming that kind of stuff. God wants your imaginations back. He gave us imagination. You know, some people say all imagination is wrong. I don't believe that. Why would we have imagination? It's so that when we're meditating on him in the word, we can like, oh, you know, we can think of things. We can remember stories. But God doesn't want your imaginations into some world of fantasy all the time, and you're always thinking on it. He wants your mind back. Christians have become professionals at justifying why we do what we shouldn't. And we need to stop that. We are made holy and we must begin perfecting holiness in the fear of God and coming out from among the world and being clean. And that includes this area of witchcraft and fantasy, whether it's fake or real. You know, there have been many other messages on darkness and sin. We know that, right? And that it doesn't discount any of that. We shouldn't walk in fornication. We shouldn't be full of greed. We shouldn't lie. Okay, those are all perfect, wonderful. We shouldn't be doing those things. This is just the area I was really sensing the Lord have me talk tonight about. So we just need to receive it simply and be like, okay, God, if this is for me, then I'm going to receive it and I'm going to adjust my life. This is God's warning tonight to us on sorcery reminding us to pursue holiness and that part of that will be that that stuff has to go too. Amen? Amen. 
So what I want to do right now is just take a few minutes. Maybe, Pastor Jimmy, you could put on just some quiet music. And um, just really just five minutes. And while this is fresh, because I know for some people it's been shocking and hard, but you know God brings light to things for our health. He doesn't want you hurt by it in terms of, in the negative sense, but he does want to bring uh, conviction in areas where he's trying to adjust. So we're just going to take a few minutes, and I want us to each ask, God, do I live a holy walk? Do I um, consider holiness to be valuable? Are there any areas of this imaginary fantasy world, witchcraft, sorcery, that I'm allowing in my life? And then if there is, just repent of it. You know, repentance is just quick and easy if you mean it from your heart, right? And then he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're just going to take a few minutes for that, and then um, I'll come back up and close. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, your truth is truth. So even when it's hard, Lord, we, we say, Lord, we, we yield to you. Help us to understand what it means to fully walk in the person that you've created us to be. The Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Because it's saying, I know better than God, basically forming your own religion. We don't want to be like that. So Lord, right now, tonight, Lord, I'm asking that you would forgive us for those things that we have placed before you. No matter what it is, Lord, every idol. We say, Lord, we submit to you, to your leadership, to your word, to your spirit. And Lord, with your help, we will walk out of it. We thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for victory in people's lives. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you so much. And we give you all the praise and the glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We submit to you. You're our Lord. You're our God. And we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.